Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schmedeke, and today it's Friday, so we're talking college football and a little hoops with Tyler King, as well as we will be joined by Denver Gazette Sports Editor Paul Klee to talk Broncos. As I said in the intro, I am joined by college sports reporter Tyler King. Tyler, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, we're going to start out on a positive note today. Um, you went to uh, CU Hoops practice, got to talk to Tad Boyle, see the team practice a little bit. Uh, why don't you tell me what you saw out there? Yeah, I mean, there's if there's anything positive for CU fans to look forward to, I think it is basketball season. I think both the men and women will be pretty good again this year. And yeah, obviously I was at um, the men's team practice earlier this week. Um, we're kind of a little bit of a, a vague kind of overarching season preview kind of for them looking at their roster. Um, you know, it's a, they have a pretty new, they have some, a bunch of newcomers on the team this year, some two grad transfers, one junior college transfer, a couple freshmen coming in, you know, some guys, some freshmen that sat out last year due to injury. Um, so they're going to have like a bunch of new starters this year. It should be uh, interesting to see, but obviously, yeah, it's a uh, 13th year under Tad Boyle. Um, He's going to become the program's all-time winningest coach at some yeah. point here. He's six coach. He's six wins off the the top. So that whatever, whenever win number seven comes, likely in December, he will be the new winningest coach uh, in in CU Buffs history. So that'll be something interesting, wow, to watch for this season. As you know, he kind of works through the kinks with this team, getting getting uh, you know getting used to playing with each other. But there's a lot of talent. There's definitely a lot of talent. I think they could some surprise some people in the Pac-12 this year. And, you know, you wrote about someone needing to take over the leadership because this team's always had a lot of leadership from McKinley to, like you said, Evan Batty last year in your story. Uh, but they don't have a lot of seniors. The only seniors are the transfers, correct? Yeah, there's two seniors on the team, and it's just uh, the two Ivy League transfers, um, Jalen Gabidin and uh, Ethan Wright. Uh, Jalen was at Yale last year, and Ethan Wright was at Princeton, so... I guess Tad Boyle just caught the the right Yale Princeton game and decided to bolster his <laughs> roster based off of that. But uh, no, both of those guys should be pretty good uh, contributors for this team. And uh, yeah, I wrote about um, the new kind of vocal leader of this team will probably be Tristan De Silva, who's a junior forward and is the only guy who's the re- going to be a returning starter from the season opener last season. Um, obviously, guys like Nick Clifford, uh, Colorado Springs kid, and um, KJ Simpson, Julian Hammond have gotten starts before they'll be stepping into bigger roles. But Tristan was the only guy that, you know, was a starter on the op- on opening night last year. And um, he's a really nice kid. Uh, great to talk to him. And uh, he's going to need to step up into a bigger role, play that four spot that Jabari Walker had last season now that he's in the NBA. So, um, yeah, Tristan's a guy to watch out for, especially, you know, like you mentioned, taking that vocal leadership role that's always been prominent in the CU program from especially in recent years with McKinley Wright and last year Evan Batty just unmistakable voices at practice for those two guys and now that's kind of Tristan's role so I'm sure a lot of CU fans can't wait for hoop season but we're gonna go switch back to football another loss a home loss a blowout loss uh, uh, to UCLA last Saturday at Folsom Field uh, you were there. What, what did you see? Uh, I'm sure you heard fire Carl chants like everybody else, but uh, what else did you see? Yeah, that was kind of the thing. It was weird. At the end of the first quarter, it's clocks winding down, and you're hearing from the student section, which is 
you know, ironically, right behind the CU bench, uh, just like fire Carl Chance. I wasn't first I thought I was fire Darrell, but it was pretty clear it was you know fire Carl Chance. And it was actually really funny before the game. You know, CU's putting up tweets on the like fan tweets on the score on the video board. Oh yikes! Just like uh, of of uh of people at the game, and somehow I don't know how this slipped through the cracks, but there was somebody got a hashtag fire Darrell on the oh. in their tweet on the video board and it was just hilarious i caught it and i was like there's no way that that slipped through the cracks but it was pretty representative of that day and you know the where cu is as a program right now obviously you mentioned you know another blow loss cu's been double digit underdogs in just about every game this year and they've yet to cover the spread in any of those games right so it's it's pretty bad they've lost every game by you know 25 plus points this year and uh you know Brian Howell at the Daily Camera had put out a good stat after last week's game that, you know, this is the first time a Power 5 program has opened the season with four straight losses of 25 points or more since 1957 when Illinois did it. Yikes. You don't really ever want to be in company with Illinois football. No. Especially a 1957 Illinois football team. It's just really, really bad. And, you know, CU, I, I saw the, the opening line for this week's game in Arizona was – Opened at like ten and a half, and within minutes, it was at seven. It was at like sixteen or seventeen. People just do not respect this Colorado team at all, and I don't blame them. I do not blame them. They have not. They have not proven anything yet this season. Um, the coaching. The coaching has been pretty much a disaster on both sides of the ball, and you know, I guess there's a little bit of hope with Owen McCowan making yeah. his second straight start. He looked pretty good, you know, in his first career start. I mean, I didn't really expect much. He, he looked okay. Um, he's, his offensive line is okay. He doesn't have any running game to really lean on, and his receivers aren't that great. So, all given that, I think he played pretty well, and you know he'll get another chance to kind of impress this week. As you know, CU is really leaning on true freshmen to play significant roles for them, and that's not always a great sign. Even given, even though they are some talented players. Yeah, I guess. I mean, at least. It feels like they will go with McCown for at least for the foreseeable future. I, I don't know. There's no point in switching back now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there there really isn't. I don't. I haven't seen anything from either Brendan Lewis or JT Shroud that feel that you know says they deserve to play over Owen McCown. Owen obviously took some big hits last week. He's a slight. He's got a slight build. He's only 175 pounds. He's he's you know he's not very big. So if he does get hurt, which you know, you never, nobody ever wants to see an injury, but it's just what it's inevitable in college football. And there is a chance he could get hurt. And then I would probably give the ball back to Shroud to see what he can do. Cause I think he's had less opportunity than, than Lewis. Cause they had, you know, Brendan started the first game against TCU and JT got in at the end of that. And then against air force JT got the start, but it was pretty crappy weather, played the whole game, had some drops from his receivers, but, and then Minnesota, they did the weird thing where they just, rotated every yeah. series which was just a, incredibly stupid um and, and did not work at all so i don't know if anybody's had an unfair shake it's probably shroud but i mean it's not like he deserves to play over mccown at this point so they're heading to arizona this week uh tomorrow saturday they're a much improved arizona team you know arizona has been down like cu but they, they've got some wins this year uh, what, what do you see from them? Um, you know, again, CU is a seventeen and a half point dog, so there's not much of a chance for them to win, probably. But what, but what do you see from Arizona? 
Yeah, they're definitely kind of they're definitely in a better spot than they were last year. CU blew them out at Folsom last year, thirty-four yeah. nothing. Um, Jed Fish's first season at Arizona last year was a disaster. They only won you know one game, um, and now this year they've kind of turned around a little bit and they've used the transfer portal to do that. Um, which, if there's any hope for whatever the future is going forward for CU, if if Carlos fired after this week or after the season or whenever. Um, they could use the transfer portal like some other teams have done well this season, and Arizona is definitely one of them. Their quarterback, Jaden DeLauro, was at Washington State last year, and he's really kind of coming and taking over the offense in, in a big way. Um, eight touchdowns so far, nearly 1,200 yards passing. Those are six interceptions, though, so he is a little volatile, um, which could be beneficial for CU if their defense at all gets it together this week. Um, and their top receiver, uh, Jake McCowing is from UTEP. He's re- a really good player. Uh, he's an Arizona kid that's kind of come in and been very easily and clearly Jaden Delora's favorite target. He's caught six of their eight passing touchdowns through four games. So Arizona does have a pretty bad rushing defense. Um, not worse than CU because CU has the worst rushing defense yeah. in the country by far. And yeah. by far, I mean 60 yards per game average worse than any other team in Division One. Just really, really bad stuff. So, I mean, maybe this game is closer. Maybe CU loses by less than three touchdowns this week. I don't know, but you know, it's we'll we'll, we'll see. Arizona is definitely the roles are reversed from last year, where CU was in kind of a different spot, where it's like, okay, they're gonna win a couple games, maybe have a shot to compete for a bowl. And Arizona was, you know, in a pretty rough spot. Now the roles are reversed for CU, even though it is Carl Durrell's third year, is looking at if they win a game this season, it might be a semi-miracle so and you know you talked about maybe the CU defense comes up with some stops that has not been the case in any game they they, as bad as the offense looks I think the defense may look just as bad if not worse at times the defense is definitely worse the defense is the problem for CU right now and that was especially the case last week against UCLA I was just waiting I was just wondering like is CU going to get a stop at all in this game against UCLA's defense especially I mean their quarterback, their quarter, you say his quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, didn't even play full, three full quarters. They pulled them midway through the third quarter because it was that out of hand that quickly. I mean, it was only an 11 point deficit at halftime, but CU just came out flat in the third quarter like they have done every game of the season. Yeah. And UCLA just ran the score up really quickly and it was over. Um, you know, I just was like, every play, it's, you feel every rushing play, it feels like, the CU's opponents are getting into the secondary untouched, you know, and even then they're lacking any sort of physicality in the secondary where, you know, you watch the Minnesota game with a guy like Mo Ibrahim, who's a potential Heisman candidate, and a guy like Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, a physical runner, just running all over uh, CU's secondary and just kind of, you know, it just looks really bad. I mean, they're they're out of gaps. They're not getting into the backfield really at all. It's just, it's just, it's really bad. So before we go touch on CSU a little bit, uh, what's your prediction for Saturday for CU Arizona? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be another close game. I'm going to go, uh, you know, 38-16 Arizona. That's going to be oh. my prediction. All right. So, again, CU will not cover the spread. Um, yes. <laughs> all right, so CSU uh, is off this week, which is probably a good thing, after they lost to Sacramento State at uh, in Fort Collins. Um, they are also winless. And they also have players leaving on a weekly basis, it seems like. Well, what's your feeling up there? I mean, is this just another, you know, we've talked about in the past that it's it's going to take time up there, but 
this seems to be a little crazy with between the losses and the players. And these aren't random players. Like these are players that are important cogs to them. Like they're they're not you know four string DBs or anything like that. You know. Yeah, they've lost two of their three starting wide receivers. Um, you know, Melcon Stovall left the team last week, and now this week Ty McCullough leaves the team. So, yeah, it's I, I've mentioned this before. I've written about it. It's going to take time to kind of get the culture set. It's not like other quick turnarounds that these programs have had. I mean, you look at a program like Washington, who their first year under Kalen DeBoer, you know, they get a transfer quarterback from Indiana, Michael Penix, and they're just they're a really really good football team out yep. there. It's been a quick turnaround for for that program. It's just not the case at CSU. There's just there's been so many, so much bad football in the last decade at CSU that it's going to take a lot of time to kind of get the, you know, get the culture that Jay Norvell wants. And I and I haven't been you know discouraged at all by what I've seen from the Norvell and the coaching staff. I mean, they've got the quarterback they want. Millen finally reached a point where he had to leave the game last week. Finally took, you know, one too many hits against Sac State, um, which is a good FCS team by the way. I don't think. They're number um, six, right? Yeah, they're a top. They're a top five FC, FCS team this year, playing against CSU, which is a bottom five FBS team. So, that was not at all a surprising victory for Sacramento State. Um, yeah, it's just this is just going to be a transition year for for Norvell. It's it's. I think next year, if things at this time are once again they're winless through the first couple of weeks, then I think you can start looking at, you know, maybe questioning Norvell. But I think this is just kind of a throwaway year as they try to you know, establish a recruiting base, which they've done pretty well so far in, you know, getting that 20 in this 2023 class uh, set and, and just kind of progressing with the guys that want to be a part of what they're trying to build there. So here's the, here's my big question for you. And, and I've talked about it here in the office as well. Do either of these teams win this year? I, I mean, I guess <laughs> uh, I, the Mountain West isn't very good, especially yeah. the bottom of the Mountain West. Uh, CSU Wyoming could be it could be a pretty brutal game. Um, they've got Hawaii at home this year. Hawaii's not very good. I guess I would say CSU. And then if you're looking at one game for for CU, it's probably Arizona State. You know, at the end of October they host Arizona State. It's kind of obviously they fired Herm Edwards a couple weeks ago now, and um, they're pretty much a disaster like CU. But at least they've made a coaching change. Um, but and they're trying to get set it back in the right direction there. But I mean, those are just a couple games I can think of off the top of my head. Other than that, I would say no. But you know, I mean, it would be really, really depressing for for, for Colorado football fans. It, you know, college football fans throughout the state. If both teams went winless this year, that would be pretty rare territory for two FBS schools in the same state to to go winless in the same season. All right, so before we go, why don't you uh, plug some stuff you've got coming in tomorrow's uh, Denver Gazette. Yeah, so I have my uh, insider page again, and I kind of my main column this week is examining, you know, will this be Carl Durrell's last game at CU? I mean, I don't think so. I, don't think I so really either. don't. I really don't think they're going to pull the trigger during the season. Maybe they do after the season. Um, he's got two more fully guaranteed years after the season, so – um, and CU does not have the deep pockets that like Nebraska has when they were able to bite that $15 million bullet and fire Scott Frost a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, there's got some games to watch in there as well, Heisman contenders. I think the big game that I'm going to be watching this week is obviously game day, college game day is in Clemson uh, for yeah. NC State Clemson, top 10 ACC matchup. 
Uh, NC State had a really good win over them last season in Raleigh, and now they're you know on the road, and this should be a, a good test for both teams going forward. Clemson obviously escaped uh, last week in double overtime against Wake Forest, a, a pretty good team. So some good ACC football this week because Wake Forest is also at Florida State, who has finally turned things around again under Mike Norvell uh, uh, there. So I feel like you know there's a couple good ACC football games, and uh, you know. My big Pac-12 game of the week, Oregon State at Utah. Um, I think the Pac-12 is deep and they good are. and talented outside of the two bottom teams, Colorado and Arizona State. Um, I like this Oregon State team. Um, there's, th- I think there's three Pac-12 teams that could uh, win the conference and compete for a spot in the playoff. Obviously, Utah is one of them, uh, USC, and then Washington as well. I think there's no reason why they couldn't with how well they're playing on offense right now. So that's what I've got for you. Um, yeah, that's that should be a good week of college football. For sure. There's a lot of ranked games this week. We didn't have many the last couple of weeks, but this week there's Yeah, a it was lot the of... first week of conference play for, for just about every other conference now. So we're getting into conference play and should should be some good football. All right, Tyler, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me to talk a little college football and a little hoops, and we will do this again next Friday. All right, thanks, Chris. Thanks, man. All right, now I'm joined by Denver Gazette sports editor Paul Klee. Paul, how are we doing? Doing great, Chris. Good to talk Broncos again. Yeah, definitely. You know, they are not a boring team, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> our, our colleague George Story and I talked on Monday about how they have not played an uninteresting game yet. I'm sure you would agree. Yes, that's true. And while there has been much consternation uh, from Broncos fans at the state of the offense, it is a little uh, heartening, I would say, that they are one goofy coaching decision from being 3-0 and at this point. It's, it's true. It, that is pretty crazy. So this week is also very interesting as they head to Vegas to play the Raiders and old pal Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think with McDaniels being there, like, it's official, like the Raiders week idea is back maybe for Broncos country? I, th- I think, uh, you know, for a lot of fans, it probably never left. And, and I'm referencing a lot of my degenerate friends who circle. These this. guys need to come on the podcast because we hear Not a chance. <laughs> I like my job too much. And there would be a lot of bleeping, beeping out. So we're going to let uh, Ryan and Todd and GWS and these guys, they're going to stay home and probably listen to this and tell me how wrong I am afterward. Um, I, I think this game is still um, important to a lot of people uh, because it, it has been important for a very long time. I think McDaniels, you know, I was thinking back to that Seahawks game and the crowd. I sat in Seattle with the crowd in the third quarter. Um, it was uh, it was like being in Gladiator. You know, the fans yeah. there were, it wasn't they just wanted to win the game. They were out for blood. It was some kind of crowd. And I was thinking if there's one figure that could even approach that, and I don't think there is for Broncos fans because Elway didn't, you know, want out. Right. That would be the only right. comp. Uh, but Josh McDaniels would be on a short list for that, you know, because he really came through like a hurricane and left. I shouldn't use that phrase right now. I'm sorry. I apologize. Came through like a really bad storm. And, um, you know, he left the Broncos in a bad position. Um, there were some good things, however, that came out of that. One, Demarius Thomas, yep. um, a guy that I miss quite a bit. You know, he's, he's my favorite athlete that I've covered here in Denver. And um, he was drafted by Josh McDaniels. J.D. Walton was a good player. Eric Decker was a good player. So he did bring um, a couple of good things to this franchise, but 
Um, other than that, I think you're going to see that game. When do the Raiders come here? That's probably in November. Yeah, so it's later. Later in the season. November I think 20th. That's going to be a, a fantastic crowd at Mile yeah. High welcoming him back. And especially if both teams are – I mean, I don't know about what the Raiders – I mean, the Raiders are all in three. But both those – if they're fighting for a playoff spot, that game could be really crazy. Yep, it could be. And I think tomorrow uh, – because look ahead only four days after this, man. you got to yeah. host a Colts team that just beat the Chiefs the other day. So uh, this is a five-day stretch that is really going to impact uh, the rest of the Broncos season. You can walk out of it 4-1, and one, be in a phenomenal position, and I mean a phenomenal position. Or you can walk out of it and be what? My math's not very good. You could be 2-3. Two and 2-3. Three, three. You know, yeah. with, with the division loss to your name. So um, I think that this one Sunday is very interesting. The, the Raiders are extremely desperate. And that does play a factor. It absolutely does. You see things like the Colts last week beating the Chiefs when you have to get a game. The Raiders are going to play well on Sunday. I really believe that. The Broncos are going to have to have their best game thus far. And it's not like the Raiders don't have talent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Derek Carr has given the Broncos trouble in the past. He's always had pretty good games. Um, I can't remember. What was the stat you were just telling me over there in the office? They could beat them five times in a row if the Raiders would win this game? This would be the fifth straight Raiders win in this series, which hasn't happened since Jeff Hostetler in 1994 when he he beat up Wade Phillips Broncos 48-16. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. I do remember the Raiders had good teams back then. Um, but this that surprised me, and that was actually a six-game winning streak. So this five-game losing streak, if the Broncos were to lose, would match that one. It, that's a really long time. That's 30 years ago. That, that, that's insane. But, but, you know, I think a big matchup on Sunday's game, and I, and I wrote about this in my prop bets, is Sutan, I don't know if he'll follow Devontae Adams around, but he's going to see plenty of Devontae Adams. Yeah, that, that matchup's awesome. Yeah, and I, I, went, I went under on Devontae Adams' six-and-a-half catches because Sutan is just that good, and... I was shocked when Jimmy G went after him on the first series on Sunday night. I don't know why anyone would even throw at him. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, he's he is. Uh, if you want a game within the game, just follow two. Just look yeah. wherever two is, and uh, he is not approaching that point. He is at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need you only need one hand to name the number of corners that you might even take over him, and I'm not sure you need your entire hand. He is just a spectacular player. He's one of the smartest. 21-year-olds, I think I, I wrote about him earlier I said in the preseason. I said he's the Broncos' best player, offense or defense. I think he's 21 years old, Chris. Yeah, yeah. That, and he is so sharp. This is an intelligent dude. Uh, you can tell his film study is where it needs to be, if not above it. Reminds me of Aqib Tlaib in that way, that Tlaib was a, a film study savant. Um, you remember those pick sixes? It was. It all came from from his film study. He knew where the ball was going before it was thrown. So Sertan is that way. Um, and I can't wait for that Devontae Adams matchup. That's a really interesting prop bet by you. The, the, the number is six and a half six catches. Six and a half catches. And you took the under there. So um, that's good. I like that. I'm going to be watching that and keeping track of it. Yeah, and another one I took was Darren Waller, who, you know, Broncos and tight ends. But saying that, I mean, Kittle was coming off an injury, but Kittle didn't do much on Sunday night. So I don't mm-hmm. know if they figured the tight end problem out or not. But I have Waller having a catch over 19 and a half yards. I think he gets one big play on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, um, you know, see this Raiders crowd. It, they took a big hit last year. They, they, were, they averaged just over, I think, 50,000 fans. Oh, really? And for a franchise that is brand new to that market and in a, re, in a stadium that is spectacular – 
um, a lot of that had to do with the policies. You know, they had a vaccination mandate. That yeah. you, you had to show your card to get in. And that, I tell you what, with seeing the Golden Knights take off and how they turned Vegas in the desert into a hockey town. Yeah. And then the, the Raiders simply haven't caught that buzz yet. This is a playoff team a year ago. Yep. But I think what is going to be a factor, and I think you're going to hear it talked about quite a bit, you may have 50% orange yep. in the Death Star yeah. on Sunday. Because there are a lot of people that I know that are going out there. Yep. Uh, flights were not bad. Uh, hotels were really expensive. <laughs> but you can get out there, and it's, it's a 5-10 minute uh, Uber ride from McCarran to the stadium. Uh, shoot, you can probably fly back that night if you wanted to. Yep. Frontier's probably got you there. So I am expecting a um, significant orange and blue presence in Vegas. Well, and that's going to help the Broncos in the AFC West in general because it's probably going to be like that in L.A. too right. for that game with Chargers. <laughs> so, you know, that, that helps the Broncos wherever they go. So let's talk about Russ a little bit. Uh, not his two chefs that we, you'll be writing about later. Yeah. but um, <laughs> he has, Chris, he has two chefs. He employs <laughs> two chefs at home. That's a lot of chefs, man. I think I might... <laughs> Opt for like a, uh, in place of the secondary chef, as he called her, um, a, like a, a fly fishing guide in oh, that spot, go. if there I had that kind of money. Maybe an extra masseuse or something that my wife might appreciate that. I'd get um, a golf instructor. There you go. See, a yeah. golf coach. I enjoy yard work. I'm not having anybody else work on my grass. Um, but two chefs, yes, that will be written about in the Never Gazette on Sunday. <laughs> but anyway, his, uh, he's kind of been doing this. He's not playing well for a while, and all of a sudden he has one good drive, and it has helped them win two games. But that's not going to work in a division. No, not when you're going against Superman 1 and Superman 2 in L.A. and, and uh, Kansas City. That, that won't work. I do think that maybe they remembered something. I don't think you'd discover something that we had already watched for 10 years. But Russ on the move is the p- player you hope that you paid for. Yeah. And he's got to be on the move. And the, this pocket passer stuff, that's – Let's keep that for Peyton and Tom and Aaron Rodgers sometimes. Uh, it, he's got to be a dual threat, you know. I don't want to say he's just a guy when he's back there, but through three games he's been just a guy when he he's is. back there not on the move. So um, maybe they, uh, maybe there were some long conversations about we need to see the rust that we saw for 10 years in Seattle um, because it's electric when he gets out of the pocket and yeah. goes like that. You know, the shovel pass the other night, I think to Melvin Gordon maybe. The chest pass. Uh, the yeah. chest pass, yeah. yeah. The, the joker chest pass for a first down, and then that last drive was something. But um, you got to see, you got to think you're going to see more of that. And we understand why he's doing it. This is a guy that wants to play well into his 40s. And uh, he always wanted to throw the ball more than he did in Seattle. That's a big reason why he's here. But I don't think the Broncos can survive. Think about this, Chris. They're the last NFL offense that has not yet cracked 20 points in a game. And that's insane. Yeah. You know, I, I think back to, do you remember when after the Seahawks blew the Broncos out in the Super Bowl, they made a trip to Seattle that next season. Mm-hmm. Get week three. Yes. And that place was rocking that night. It was Dave, awesome. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, he made plays with his legs nonstop. Mm-hmm. He would, it's third and sixth. The Broncos would get to him. He would just scramble out and get seven. And you're just not seeing that right now. No, I'm glad you brought that up. That is a game that I won't forget because of how it ended. It's an overtime game. Yep. Um, Peyton leads him on a drive to tie the, tie the score and go into OT. The place was just kind of deflated from that. Yep. It was as quiet as I've heard CenturyLink um, because I do think that's the loudest stadium in, maybe in sports in, in the U.S. in sports. 
um, at least outdoor stadium, and it was quiet, man. And then Russ ran this, like, it was like a sandlot, drop the plays, um, almost a triple option type deal right down the field and beat the Broncos. Yep. You know, he just he changed what he had been doing for four quarters, and the game was over. He just called game and said, this is how we're going to win, and he did it. So I'm interested to see if this is the first high-scoring game that we've witnessed. Um, the Broncos' defense has not given up much at all. They've been really stinking good. Um, but at some point, you paid $245 million for an offense that can crack 30, let alone 20 points. Yep. And they got to get there because I think the Raiders are going to score on Sunday. So the over-under is 45-and-a-half. What do you think? Over-under? That surprises me. I thought it would be a little bit lower than that. Um, I think under, you know, for six years I've called these the Denver unders, um, and I think that stays that way barely. I actually am going against the, the majority here, I think. I'm, I think the Raiders win. I think that desperation is a factor. Uh, I'm saying 24-20 in a whale of a game. I think it's going to be really good on Sunday. A better kind, better aesthetically, I had trouble with that word, aesthetically pleasing game than what we saw against the 49ers, hopefully, but I'll say 24 to 20 Vegas. Yeah, that Sunday game was nothing to, nothing to write home about, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going opposite. I'm going Broncos 27-21. I think they finally score. The Raiders defense is definitely a weakness. Maybe they can finally exploit, you know, a bad defense. That was not a bad defense last Sunday. That, that defense is legit. But this week they're playing a bad defense. I think that they'll finally score some points. So I'm going Broncos 27-21 before they turn around and play again on Thursday, which, like mm-hmm. you talked about, is just a really quick turnaround. Right. And that, that thing about that Raiders defense, the Titans came into their game against Vegas last week. They'd scored 27 points over two games. They scored 21 on their first three drives. Yep. So this Raiders defense can be had. For sure. All right, so before we go, what, what, what should we plug in the Denver Gazette that we're going to see this weekend? Oh, boy, you and I just went through it, man. We have a packed section, uh, not only Sunday, but Saturday. We've got the College Football Insider, ton of college football coverage, big Air Force, Navy game, uh, Saturday, CU. Is this Carl Durrell's last game? If they get blown out against Arizona, does Rick George pull the plug on that operation? Um, and then Sunday, of course, we've got – uh, Woody Page, myself, you with the prop bets that have been really good so far. George Stoya has so much information. I don't know how that cat, he, he just churns out content. Um, and then George and I are going to be flying to Las Vegas bright and early tomorrow morning. May or may not have a tea time tomorrow afternoon. Oh, come on don't, now. Don't tell my bosses, but I'm <laughs> maybe getting out there with some friends to play, nights, play 18 holes. And then we will be at the Death Star on Sunday with a pregame video um, on the strip. Can't wait for this game. Man, I grew up loving this series, and I still yeah. get a little bit juiced for when the Broncos play the Raiders. You know, that never really leaves it, you. It, it always matters. I mean, I'm the same way. I've lived here for 35 years. Like, it's just it's what it is. It's, it's the matchup. Yeah, and this stadium, uh, not a place I've seen so far. There's two on the, on the docket. There's Jacksonville, and there's this one. So I am fired up to see the Death Star, and I hope we get a really good game. I hope we get a shootout. Yep. I think a shootout would be a lot of fun, like 36-33 or something wild like that i think that's on the table it could happen it could it could all right paul thanks for joining us and we will look forward to talking more broncos with you next friday right on chris thank you thank you thank you for listening to the denver gazette podcast make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on broncos rockies avalanche nuggets and much much more we'll talk to you next time